0: I'm Daisy and I'm Terry and this is the Monday, Monday Mindset Podcast where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 128 and this week it is Terry's turn and I seem to remember Terry you are back with part two of your Procrastination episode, or your procrastination two-parter episode, I should say. And I wonder if you could possibly do a brief reminder of what you talked about before, because I'm sure there are other people out there with menopause sieve brain like me who have almost, I know as soon as you mention it, it will all come flooding back. But for for the moment, it has evacuated my brain. So I would very much appreciate a brief reminder, please, before we get started on this week's.
1: Absolutely, Daisy. So the first thing, just to summarize a little bit, last time we talked about there are three general types of procrastination. There's classic procrastination, where we just avoid doing something. There's creative avoidance, where we subconsciously create things to do to avoid doing the thing that actually needs to be done. And there's priority dilution, where we leave the most significant tasks undone, because instead we're focusing on the urgent tasks, the things that are creeping up in the moment. We talked a little bit about how the brain likes to accomplish things. It gets a little bit of a dopamine hit for this. So many of us get kind of addicted to those menial tasks, even though they're not the important ones. Yeah, that's right. Avoiding the big one. (laughs) That's right. We talked about he has a book called Take the Stairs, and he's really talking about doing the thing that's hard right now because that will be the quickest way to lead you to an easier life in the future. But people, when they first hear him talk about it, they think, man, this guy just wants to make life difficult.
0: I wanna take the escalator. That's right.
1: (laughs) And that's what he says. Basically, many of us have an escalator mentality. Um, Most of us do, it's about the path of least resistance. How can I have the easier life right away? Talked about discipline being the antidote to procrastination. Uh, uh, Yes, that's right. That The D word. <laughs> and then he has a whole bunch of principles that he talks about. So last time we talked about the paradox principle of sacrifice. So the easy short-term choice leads to difficult long-term consequences versus the difficult short-term choice leads to easier long-term consequences. That's right. That reminded me of James Clear, didn't it? Mm-hmm. So again, thinking about, do you want to do what's hard now or do you want to do what's harder later? And he talked about procrastination and indulgence are really just creditors who charge you interest. You can get away with not doing it now, but... there's all that compound interest to pay. And then the last big one I would say is we talked a little bit about his um, story
0: about the difference between buffaloes and cows and how they face storms. That was a good one. I like that. The buffaloes go head on in. That's right. That's right. <laughs> face down the storm. Yes, I like that. After talking about the paradox principle of
1: sacrifice, which I just kind of reiterated, he then talked about the buy-in principle of commitment. He said that really making a decision to do something, there are two different energies involved. The first one is more kind of the physical energy of doing the task. And so he and Lewis Howes talked about, and this guy's name is Rory Vaden, in case anyone forgot. So he and Lewis Hauser are talking about an example of, should I go work out? That's the decision. The first energy is the physical energy it takes to do the workout. And what he talked about is for most of us, that really isn't the biggest problem. He talked about the idea that our brain is really set up for survival. It's not set up for success. And Its natural way of looking at survival is conserving energy. So when we are making decisions that require energy, you can already imagine our brain's a little hesitant. So we talked about how much we have to actually rewire our brains to not go down that natural path. In this example, let's think you're sitting on the couch and you're thinking, should I go downstairs and get on the treadmill? And many of us think that the energy to get on the treadmill is what's really holding us back. But instead, he talked about it's the emotional energy of making the decision that that is actually a greater burden than the physical energy.
0: That's a really interesting concept. I'm just trying to, I'm kind of imagining back from the time where I was doing the couch to 5K, and that is something I want to get back into doing, but... I can remember when I was doing it and I was thinking as you were first saying that, that the sort of physical aspect of it is the sort of least difficult bit in a way but I can just remember that it's really like that inertia of getting going. I I felt like there was quite a big sort of big sort of physical hurdle to get started but as soon as you were started it was fine and you started um, you know, getting into it, and it and it felt good, but maybe I'm just getting from what you're saying. Actually, it's the bit before that that's actually the bigger hurdle. It's the emotional, trying to wrangle with yourself a bit you know there's that part of your brain that's coming in but oh it's just started raining maybe we should not go Mm -hmm. in our usual 10 o'clock slot or whatever it is and you know why don't we just wait until it stops raining or why don't we do that and it's yeah so it's just made me think that I was sort of thinking there was that the biggest hurdle was the just sort of the getting started bit but it sounds like really the biggest hurdle is the bit before the getting started bit. That's right, because actually, once you start running or walking
1: or whatever it is, you're fine. Yeah, It's the emotional turmoil of, should I start? Mm. Will I have enough energy? Am I really wanting to do this? And one of the things he talked about, and I know I used this term in the last episode as well, but they they talk about kind of ultra performers. Mm. And some of us might listen to some of these podcasts and things. well, I don't need to be an ultra performer. And, you know, sometimes these are about entrepreneurs and things, but just to think about if I want to be successful at anything that's important to me, I want to be able to think like these people who manage it differently. And one of the things they talked about in this episode is the fact that ultra performers, they actually don't like hard work or discipline. They don't like it any more than the rest of us. They've learned to think about it differently. Mm, interesting. They've learned to think about that. Again, it'll be hard right now or it'll be a lot harder if I wait. Mm. Switching that way of thinking about it pushes them to do it now, even though it's hard right
0: now. Oh, I should, I've should. i got a good example here. And I, I told you earlier half the story and I was – Poor old Terry's had to put up with me having um, a builder's... I shouldn't say a rant about the builders because it's not actually my builder so far anyway. is fantastic. But a plasterer. It, it was a plasterer rant. I had gone to the shops on the way home and I'd promised I would buy them um, some cakes. So I'd bought them some chocolate eclairs. And I'd come back and, and they'd gone. It was one of my rants. They'd gone and they'd left my house unlocked. But there you go. But... The big problem was this. So this is the second half of the story. I was bloody well left with four devil's fingers <laughs> tempting me. I had a migraine. I was feeling extremely stressed. And so you can imagine I had these things that are not good for me to eat right in front of me. And what, you know, what did I want to do? I wanted to shove those in my face as fast as it was humanly possible to do, right? And there's a time where I would have done that. But I know very, very clearly, and this is, I think, a good example of the short term versus the long term. I knew in that moment for a fact that if I ate those and I would have eaten all of them, I wouldn't have just had one. I'd have eaten all of them. I would have felt awful in the moment, for sure, because I'd been fasting all day, for one thing. So if those had hit my empty stomach, it would not have been pretty. But the roll-on effect, the knock-on effect, would probably have been disastrous as well. So I knew that, but I also knew it was gonna be very, very hard for me to resist those if they stayed there. I hate waste. have this fabulous local Facebook group. It's called Hastings Give and Takeery. People ask for things and, and, and post things to give away. So I put my four chocolate eclairs up on there, took a picture, put them up. Please, will somebody come and take these away from me before I eat them? Save me from myself. <laughs> yes, they came along and they took the four chocolate eclairs. So someone got a tasty treat for their very nice I have to add uh, young, metabolically healthy people, so I didn't feel guilty thinking it was going to damage their health either. Took them out of my sight, out of temptation, but I felt very pleased with myself that I managed to not... Um, apply those very quickly to my face. And I had a ribeye instead, which uh, had a short term and long term benefit. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that a feels great like example. That quite a good illustration of the point.
1: <laughs> great example of the paradox principle of sacrifice. Very good. So this idea then, if, if I'm making a commitment towards something, Lewis then asked him, but how do you follow through on that? So let's say I set my goal of I'm going to work out four days a week for one year. How do I follow through? Rory Baden said the most important thing then is to ask how, not can I, like am I able to or should I? And he goes into the not shoulding on yourself and don't (laughs) be a should should head. I thought that. The idea that we should be focused more on how do I do this? How do I make it happen? Because now we're already committed to doing it and mm. we're, we're problem solving it. So even for you, how do I get rid of these chocolate eclairs? Mm. Oh, let me let me post this in this group because our slippery slope brain would easily say, well, you can't throw those. I mean, the best way to get rid of them, Daisy, is you're going to have to eat them. Yeah. You know, it would have talked you into going in that other route. So focusing on how. And then he used some other examples. You know, if someone is struggling in their marriage, it's not, should I stay married? How can I improve this relationship? Mm. Gives us a a better action step to take. Mm. And he talked about if you're going to follow through with your commitments, it's really important that you have to be at least teetered over onto the somewhat positive side of the motivation or the, the reasoning why to do it because he said, in this case, neutral is negative. It's the same thing. If you said, meh, either way, nope, that is not going to be enough. You have to be at least one degree toward the positive, or
0: you won't follow through on these commitments. Yeah, I like that. So it's, there's no ifs, buts, or maybes. It's mm-hmm. how do I make it happen? Mm-hmm.
1: He then talked about the fact about Following through on our commitments and not procrastinating requires focus. And he uses the phrase that focus is power. And Lewis Howe says, yeah, but come on, how do people maintain focus during a pandemic and during, you know, struggle in their relationship or stresses at work? Rory Baden came back and said, listen, it's really important for us all to keep this in mind focus on our goals and commitment is not dependent on the circumstances it can't be dependent on the circumstances so that is you know basically saying if it's raining i'm
0: not going to exercise i guess that's also where the how comes in Mm -hmm. you can factor in potential little hurdles Mm -hmm. that that slippery slope part of your brain is going to try and talk you out Nah, i've already Mm -hmm. thought about what's going to happen if it rains i've got some you know rain weather gear or I've got my nice fluffy towels ready for when I come back in soaking wet or whatever it is. Now, That's right. thought of that excuse, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> or for example, I have a rebounder
1: in my home and you could do these little running steps on that thing that to me is almost harder than actually running. Mm. But in my mind, like, oh, I can't go outside. So I guess I just can't run. So remembering that Maintaining your focus and achieving your goals, it cannot be dependent on the circumstance. We we can't let the circumstance get in our way. And again, if you think about ultra performers, that you know, I'm guessing Michael Phelps swam even when he had an earache. Mm. He figured out how he was gonna plug up his ear or, you know, put something over his ears or something, but his goal was important enough to him that the circumstances did not prevent him from doing that. And Rory Vaden had used this phrase throughout this episode, but um, basically he said, diluted focus leads to diluted results. Mm, Makes sense. When you lose your focus and start, you know, getting into the wishy-washy, your results are going to be compromised as well.
0: That's also where you start losing the momentum. and Mm -hmm. It's a cycle that feeds on itself, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So he then started talking about the next principle that people could use kind of to help them with their procrastination. And he referred to it as the creation principle of integrity. And he talked about this idea that we create our future for ourselves based on these four steps, think, speak, act, and then it happens. So he goes through an example. If you were told when you were in elementary school that you were stupid and you believed it and you tell other people oh i'm gonna do really poorly because i'm stupid i'm not good at math i i know that i'm not i'm really kind of dumb when it comes to math that's the speak so then should you study for the test your brain's like no why bother because i'm stupid and i i know i am so it won't work so you don't study and then you don't do well on the test now unfortunately not doing well on the test Helps to solidify that thought that I really am stupid. So think, speak, act. You know, he kept saying, think it, speak it, act it, and then your result happens. And if you want your future, the happens part, to be a specific thing, you have to think, speak, and act in accordance with that, in integrity with that. So what you tell yourself most often becomes your reality. I tell you
0: a funny story about that, as you mentioned maths test, and I don't actually remember before this, but I can't have been very good. We used to have a maths test every week. It was, I think it was testing our times tables, basically, so, you know, it's back in the day where you learnt times tables by rote, you know, and then we do uh, whatever, every Friday morning we had the test and I didn't do very well, It you know, regularly, every week, never never scored very highly. But uh, one week it was my birthday and the person sitting next to me, because it was my birthday and so I integrity, I put integrity and underlined it because integrity doesn't really come into it here because they let me cheat. They let me copy their answers so that on my birthday, I would get a reasonably high score. And I think I was sensible about the cheating. I didn't go from getting what I was usually getting to 10 out of 10 or something like that. But, and this probably taps into this whole mindset of mine with, uh, we've spoken before about, you know, the importance of identifying and and with this theory here, with the, the thinking it, I guess, and then the speaking it and everything follows. But like magic, a bit like that day I decided I was going to be an early morning person. From that point forward, I scored very, very well on that maths test every week. Never, ever cheated again. Went on to really enjoy maths. Got an A in my um, O level with, uh, yes, I worked, but I didn't have to do an awful lot of revision. Funny enough, when it went on to A level, it suddenly became double Dutch, which apparently is quite normal for maths, and I could not do it at all anymore, and I failed my A level. But when it was all logical and practical. And I can remember my my maths teacher during those O-level studies saying, you will use this maths every day of your life. And I, I pretty well do. You know, when I'm working out how much paint I need, I work out the area and buy the, the paint accordingly, things like that. So I just thought that was a very funny little story, seeing as you mentioned maths tests that wasn't really approached with great um, integrity, but it <coughs> completely changed that think speak act happen process from being one thing to another all hinged on that just that changing obviously presumably the way I thought about my performance and what I was capable of doing and you got to feel what it felt like to score well on it and start yeah. to think of yourself differently and yeah. it changed your outcome. I'm not saying that people should go and start cheating at tests <laughs> to change their mindset, by the way. And I was only nine or something at the time, but <laughs> <laughs> interesting how things these things can work sometimes. Absolutely.
1: He then goes on to talk about the next principle and that is the harvest principle of scheduling. And I thought, okay, Sounds a little different. What is that about? And he said, listen, unfortunately, we're often taught that balance is most important. And he said, really, balance is a horrible metaphor for success. If you think about it, it kind of says if you do equal parts of this and this in your life, you'll have a successful life. And what tends to happen is we think that we have to spend, if I need to spend eight hours at work, that means I also have to spend eight hours in that day on my relationship. Like I can't do balance completely. And the idea that there are different times and different tasks that do require a different amount of effort or time put to them. So balance, when we're taught to think of everything as a balancing act, that that's really not helpful. So instead, if you kind of think of harvest season, I did not grow up on a farm, but I grew up out in the country where a lot of my friends and um, people I knew did have farms. And during harvest season, work had to be done. Mm. It didn't matter that you would rather go to the movies. That hay had to get harvested at that time. Or let's say not in a harvest example, but if you owned a dairy farm, cows have to be milked at a certain time. It doesn't matter whether you'd like to stay in bed or not. So the idea that great results are not always achieved through balance, but through periods of more intense times, a season of more intensity, buckling down and doing the harder work for a while so that you get the results that you're looking for. He then went on to talk about the next one, which he called the perspective principle of faith. And he said that faith is choosing to believe what is happening now is for the greater good. And I know this is one that many of us probably struggle with, Mm. and they talked about even hardships and things that in the moment, absolutely, it feels unfair that it's happening, but people who tend to turn those things into opportunities to learn and to grow and aren't set back by circumstances are people who can put some faith in the idea that even though this feels so unfair right now, it's leading me somewhere he said this the ability to have peace is directionally proportional to the term of our perspective so now it sounds or seems unfair but later we can see why it was what needed to happen or it led to something else and and i always use these examples and he used a similar example I used to joke that no matter what, if I was driving, I would always hit the red lights and I would always get stuck at the train tracks. (laughs) And when I was in undergrad, I think I counted one morning on my way to the commuter parking lot, I think there were eight train tracks that I had to cross. And I kid you not, there were times (laughs) when, of course, I sat through eight trains. I don't even know how it was possible. But it would be really easy for me to say, this is so unfair. The universe is out to get me. It just never lets me get there on time. It holds me up every time. But what I don't know is that me sitting at three of those train lights that morning may have been what kept me from being T-boned in an intersection at the next street. Mm. And so if we can take that perspective even though this is hard to manage right now or to tolerate or to understand if i can realize that it fits into the bigger plan somehow it's helping me to become the person i need to be for my next phase or as the example i just gave maybe it's helping me to escape something that could have happened now as I'm listening to some of these principles, I loved this podcast, but I'm like, wait a minute, wait, how is this about, about procrastination? But it's just, again, if we can look at some of our different ways of seeing barriers and difficulties, they don't have to prevent us from following through with our commitments or achieving the things that we want to achieve. He then talked about the pendulum principle of action and just he kind of emphasizes that success is the trajectory of the small decisions we make, the daily decisions. Our commitments aren't big, sweeping things, they are, you know, a thousand little steps that we take along the way mm. to achieve that goal. And he used this phrase that I just thought was a nice kind of motivational thing success is never owned, but rented and rent is always due now. Hmm. Like if you are looking to complete your goal to actualize something that's really important to you, you're not just going to get success. You have to pay the rent for it every step. In kind of summing this all up, he says the more accountability, and they've done some research on this, but the more accountability you have around these principles that he was talking about the more likely you are to succeed. And as I was listening to it, I I got a little overwhelmed by, oh my gosh, I have to do this and I have to do this one and I have to do this and I have to follow this principle versus if I just listen to them a little bit more as kind of what's the overall takeaway from each of these. And for me, it's about the importance of the small steps going back to James Clear, BJ Fogg, the importance of committing to myself the importance of discipline, facing the harder thing right now so that I don't have to pay a higher price for it later. And as I told you, this episode was one that kind of shook me a little bit because these are things that I want to experience differently in my life. Mm. I get frustrated with myself. Why don't I achieve these things? Why do I struggle so much with these things or whatever? And I've now listened to this episode probably three times. And every time I listen to it, it's just further kind of nudging me along in these ways of thinking about it, ways of facing challenges rather than my normal way of wanting to just throw up my hands or just see how long I can dodge the difficulty. (laughs) So this episode, like I said, it's been really... um, I can't say yet a game changer for me in that I'm doing a whole lot of things differently, but I'm definitely thinking about being that buffalo, Mm. turning around, walking into the storm, facing it, and trusting myself that with that commitment and discipline of just one step at a
0: time that I will get through the things that are challenging. It was interesting as you were talking about this sort of myth of balance or the. You know, we always think that everything should be really balanced and um, that's not really the case when we're we're trying to achieve something here. It reminded me of that episode that you shared way back at the beginning. And I can't for the life of me remember who it was, but I remember you talking about these different cairns, these different Life cairns, or I I can't remember exactly what they were called, but these sort of these different cairns, these different pillars and how our focus was wasn't really balanced, that we kind of had to consider all of them, but that we would naturally have more focus on, on building, you know, one at a time or two out of, I can't remember how many cans there were, something like five, seven, I, I can't remember, but it was sort of keeping in mind all of them. But it was, it was really saying that, yes, we don't share our energy equally. There's always going to be more focus on one area than another at different times for different reasons. You have such a great memory. Well, not as that As soon as you great. started talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, but I, I, I couldn't piece the gist the of it, but. pieces together.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really an important way to look at this. Um, obviously, I'm pretty woo-woo, and I believe in balance in our lives in lots of ways. But there are times when we have to put more into one area of our life one goal or one challenge area in our life that requires that additional effort and focus and again if we face it and we do you know the harder thing now take the stairs then we are you know entering into that easier um outcome so as I think back through this episode, and you just did a really nice job of kind of having me even walk through it, is all of these principles tie so nicely together.
0: Mm. I'm gonna have to keep talking about it. <laughs> think, speak, act, happens. The other thing was what you said about this perspective principle of faith and and choosing to believe that what's happening in the moment is happening for the greater good. And it brought to mind, see this is where I think and I hope that people listening at home will be thinking the same thing. Every time you're bringing up one of these principles, it's reminding me of something that I can think of an example that's happened to me or is happening now that, oh gosh, yes, that fits really well. And this would fit in really well with, with your way of thinking. These, And I think this it kind of fits. You were saying, well, how does this fit with procrastination? And I think this does when you're struggling to change your approach with something. So I have been struggling, as you know, with, um, you know, relationships with builders. Everybody knows because I keep banging on about it. But one of the hurdles that I keep trying to get over is that when I see something happening that, isn't right that they're not doing something right and and it's a challenge for me to figure out how to how and when to intervene in that because it's all an awkward conversation there's no way it's not going to be an awkward conversation And that's me sort of getting in their space as they're, you know, they're the professional. They know what they're doing. But what happens if they're not doing it right? You know, when should I say something? And obviously, the sooner I say something, the sooner something can happen to fix the problem. And, you know, this has happened multiple times now. You know, I've let it go too long. And with the cowboy builder and things have needed to be redone. And a friend of mine locally said, you know, the universe will keep presenting opportunities <laughs> for you to practice this until you start getting it right or much closer to right. And I feel like that's the the thing is mean, when you said, well, how does this apply to procrastination? And it And it straight away just kind of made me think of that because that is... That is a form of procrastination, isn't it? It's me putting off, making the change that I need to change, whatever that is, tapping into my assertiveness in a way that's more diplomatic or, you know, whatever it is. Facing, being a buffalo when it comes to the awkward conversation that has to happen, Mm -hmm. it is a form of procrastination where you avoid having a conversation that's awkward or whatever it is. Absolutely. It really is that, yeah, be a buffalo. (laughs) But you've still got to find a way of doing it where you're not too much of a buffalo that they all walk off the job. (laughs) Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. And again, the way you're looking at that is these may be really difficult things happening. And especially depending on our history, it could become really easy to see this as this is our curse. This is just how unfair life is to us. This is a burden that we carry versus the way your friend reframed it. Oh, you're just being given opportunity after opportunity. Yeah, I like
0: that way of looking at it. You're just going to have to keep facing this Yeah. until you figure it out. And once you Mm -hmm. figure it out, you'll stop being presented with this problem over and over again. Mm -hmm. So that kind of gives you that incentive. I mean, whether that's, I mean, that sounds very woo woo, doesn't it? Whether that's something that that's the way it's going to turn out or whether once you've switched, once you have figured it out, and once you've kind of switched your identity to how it needs to be switched, when that situation does crop up again, which it probably will, it won't feel like it has, because you know how to deal with it and you'll be able to handle it. So it won't be this great big thing that feels awkward and that you want to avoid at all costs. Absolutely. Because it's like, no, I'll nip that in the bud right now. Problem solved. It wasn't actually a big problem. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel the same way. When when it crosses your path again, it doesn't have the same energy to it. That's right. I really do think... I know I'm really biased. I love Lewis Howes,
1: his podcast anyway, but I think this is one that I would encourage. It's an older one. It's 1144 and I think they're on thirteen or 1400 now. Like it's an old one. But I think a lot of us could benefit listening to this one. Like I said, I've listened to it probably three times now and I still pick up something every time I listen.
0: Yes, well, I will definitely be listening to it. That is for sure. I've very much enjoyed uh the parts of it that that you've shared, so I would yeah, I'd really be interested in hearing more of the discussion and yeah, I like Lewis House as well very good, and now I like Roy Beden, <laughs> yes, two people to to go and listen to more of. So I will I will leave you and I'm sure I will have more stories next time about my challenges with builders, but maybe I will have become more buffalo and <laughs> figured out a way to handle them a bit better. <laughs> I think I'm going to make
1: a t-shirt of a buffalo climbing yes. the stairs. I need to yes. be a buffalo and I need to take the
0: stairs. I need to take be the stairs. Be more need buffalo. buffalo. Be That's more right. of a stair-stepping buffalo. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Take good care, everybody. Have a fabulous week. Thanks, Daisy.